Well, hello and welcome to the next episode of Pegasus Radio. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen Gibson. Stephen is a director of Turner and Townsend, but we're not really here to talk about TNT today. We're actually here to talk about Steve's really fascinating journey as a career as a QS, working in multiple different countries, and just really hopefully showing you all the opportunity that does exist for the QS profession and the wider construction industry. Welcome, Steve. Uh, hello there. How's things? Yeah, very good, thank you. I'm pleased to have you on board. I know we've been discussing this one for a while, but you know, diary clashes, etc., caused us some issues. Well, I'm glad to join. So I hope I've got something of values for you and your listeners. No, I'm, sure, I'm absolutely sure you will have. So I guess what we'll do, Steve, is if we start at the very beginning, if we just talk, give us a very brief oversight, I guess, of your career to the point that you obviously reached a management level, I guess, within the UK. If you just talk as briefly through the earliest parts of your career, and then we'll go on the worldwide journey that you went on. Okay, well, I'm I'm a, I'm a quantity surveyor. I've got no problems in saying that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I trained hard, I think, as a lot of people do. So um, yeah. I'm not no problems with that. So I joined Turner and Townsend in 1990. I graduated and qualified with them, <clears throat> and I suppose yeah, I was in the London office, uh, working a, a mix of government and commercial offices, some research projects and education in the main, but a, a, quite a varied list of projects and experience which was was great and then I suppose we're thinking about like the itch of like going overseas what would it be like had some overseas whilst working in London but limited and then an opportunity come up and around the end of 2005 a role in in Dubai so I I moved out as an associate director early 2006 and uh, I was the first from the 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 London office uh, to move out of Dubai at that stage very small office uh, Mm. required a small practice and I suppose the work there is coming into the boom stage for Dubai at that stage. Lots of offices and residential towers, big master plans of residential commercial developments, theme parks. So exciting time. And my time was involved just in growing the business. What was the headcount of TNT's UAE or Dubai operation when you went over, Steve? If you, if when I went over, there was well basically <laughs> was about three people. Right, okay. So, so we got up to, I suppose, 2007, eight very quickly, and it got yeah. up to like 150. Brilliant. Um, so it grew quite quickly. And then I suppose at that point, you know, then sort of the, the global credit crunch hit, and therefore um, I looked at other opportunities. Just going back a step, Steve, just let's talk, maybe talk through some of your, I guess, your experience in Dubai. Um, so yep. did you ever visit Dubai before you moved out there, or was it literally just pack your bag and go? No, I went on holiday once. Right. You know, it was a winning holiday, stayed, stayed at a very nice hotel overlooking yeah. the Burj El Arab. I had a great time. I wasn't thinking about sort of going back to work there. It wasn't yeah. sort of on my radar. So yeah. It was purely a holiday trip. And I would say working overseas isn't a holiday and it shouldn't be treated as a holiday. It's yeah. completely different. I mean, mm-hmm. similarly, I, you know, at the time I was in Vietnam and went to Ho Chi Minh and um, a friend there, an ex-TNT colleague, I said, how can you work here? I live here. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did actually return and I, I really enjoyed it. But uh, mm-hmm. so experiencing holiday and experiencing a working, living life are, for me, are completely different things and shouldn't be confused. And so what was the kind of, in terms of the day-to-day, the job, what were the kind of, what did you see pretty quickly as the key differences working in Dubai to working in the UK? I think it's wrong to generalize about business approaches. I think all clients want value. Mm-hmm. You know, usually lower cost, particularly in certain areas. They want certainty. They want predictability. They want clarity. You know, they want confidence in numbers. They want updates. They mm-hmm. want to be kept informed. 
and they want advice supported by evidence, you know, if that's experience or benchmarking. But so yeah. they all want that. So I think it's wrong to assume that um, there's different ways of approaches. There are different ways of approaching in terms of culture, but in general, every client wants the same thing around the world, in my experience. I'd say that generally in the Middle East, it's easy to adapt for someone from the UK, for example, because I think that generally, certainly the construction and QS profession, should I say, um, follows the general UK approach to that. So, um, you know, cost planning, production of tender documentations, evaluation, cost control, all the things that you experience and you've grown and learned in the UK, you will have in certainly in the Middle East, um, to the extent in sort of Far East as well. Um, I would say that, you know, come on to it, like the experience in New York for me was trying to um, explain the benefits of what we do rather than the processes. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah, your cost management, quite surveying, isn't sort of, hasn't been mainstream in the US. It's growing, but definitely growing, but um, they've managed so far without it. So we've got to convince them as a profession, what are the benefits of, of a, a QS sitting at the table and you can't explain that by processes because that's going to switch people off completely. So just focusing on Dubai a second then. So I guess yep. one thing that happened is I presume the scale and size of projects that you were used to dealing with in the UK was oh, a complete yeah. turn on its head in terms of the level <laughs> of things you dealt with over there. Yeah, you could say like the, some of the developments and some of the announcements, project launches, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. It was enjoyable. It was fast paced. It was fun working on. But some of it you think, well, could this yes. continue? And unfortunately, it didn't. You know, when the crunch hit, then sort of the aspirations were put on hold. But, you know, I think Middle East, particularly Dubai, seems to go through those phases. And, you know, so it will grow, decline, it will grow and decline. So mm. um, it was a very enjoyable time for me, mm. um, you know, experiencing some of that growth. Um, you know, developing teams I enjoyed and it sort of mm. like showed them sort of the, for me what could be done. Um, so, but I would say you know, if one, Middle East for me is 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 for me it was a um the easiest stepping stone. Yes. You know, I think if I'd have gone to, to New York I may have struggled a bit. But for me it was recognized procedures, um terms. I think everywhere's got different terminology for basically the same concepts and same ideas, but it was the easiest first landings, if you like. And what were your learnings from like you say in the space of two years? <laughs> going from three of you to kind of 150, was there any kind of learnings there in terms of management challenges? Of course. I mean, you, I mean obviously, you've got to get sort of quality people in. And yeah. so you don't sort of um, look to just get people in for the sake of it. You've got to like go through sort of clear processes in terms of are they the right fit for your organization. That's very important. You've got to be able to support them. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to be able to support them as well as they're, you know, they're settling in. And sort of mm -hmm. the personal things obviously is, is key in their learning, their aspirations. There's opportunity there. I mean, there's opportunity for people to take responsibility if they wish to and to grow and develop. So it, that sort of, it, for me, for a lot of people, that was a great environment to actually to develop. And maybe at a faster pace than London, I don't know. But at that time, it was an exceptional moment for me in terms of seeing that development. And so obviously you alluded to maybe a moment ago that the credit crunch hit. Was that the catalyst for you looking to go for the next challenge after Dubai? It was. I mean, I think uh, it seems to like be a great time now. I've been there sort of like the, almost four years. And I thought, actually, what else is there that's available? And then I moved over to Asia and turned on towns and just um, formed a, a JV uh, with okay. Company Global okay. in Seoul. I was doing a bit of traveling with my wife at that time around Asia. So it seemed to be a great opportunity to go over there and, and see for myself. Obviously, completely different. English isn't sort of like widely spoken as sort of the business language. Okay. Um, again, the procedures, I mean, 
people do cost planning. There are sort of Korean cost planners, you know, there are Korean. Yeah. So it's not alien, you know, okay. <laughs> it's not a different world. Culturally, it's completely different to Dubai. You know, there's certainly, I think for me at that time, there was less expat. So there's, um, you know, although there is, there are sort of, there's still like a, an expat community out there, which I think is important, certainly for your first move and mm-hmm. maybe for your subsequent move is to make sure that you, you're able to reach out to other like-minded people. Otherwise, you will start feeling lonely. And one of the key advice and something when I did a lot of recruitment is that we're considering a relocation. And if it's a family or your partner, your husband or your wife, you've got to consider what they're doing because it's not just yes. you moving out and doing great work. You've got to think about what's the plan for your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have the experience of seeing people, you know, where they have, their partners haven't enjoyed it and, and therefore uh, sort of like the planned relocation uh, is shortened, which okay. is unfortunate, you know, yes. because it is a big upheaval for a number of people. So, you know, you've got to plan for these sort of things. But I think if you do it right, then you should. I mean, what we experience is I've never said anywhere think, oh, well, great coming here. It can happen. You've got to like consider like, um, and it's probably a sizable part of your life. You're the first year when you are traveling, for me, when you are traveling to another place or living in another place, the first year go quickly. You know, just yeah. fly by. Um, yeah. The second year, slower, but, you know, it'll still be quick. So you're thinking the time goes quite quickly because you're settling, adjusting things, you're learning things, you're learning new people, new friends, new clients, new projects, new colleagues, new terminology and projects. So four years goes very quickly. Obviously, a lot of people just, you know, think about going there and that's it, staying there forever. But I think for my wife and myself, that was, wasn't on the cards. We'd always thought we'd go there to develop experience, but we'd always thought we'd return to the UK at some point, although it's probably longer than we thought. So how long were you in Seoul for? A year. And it was basically, it was a growing business, so a startup really in terms of like the JV, uh, had some successes, but there were wider opportunities for me or need for me actually within Turn on Towns and I'm happy to say at that time. So at that year, I was asked to go back to uh, the Middle East, uh, Qatar and Doha, so the Lucel infrastructure project, yes, um, okay. which is quite a big one. Um, yep. So that was you know something that I'd never experienced before again. So it was a great opportunity. But really, I thought at that stage that uh, I'd like to like maintain sort of a presence in, in Asia. So it was always going to be a sort of temporary sort of common sort of role for me in Lucel. So shortly after that, I went back to Asia and then Vietnam. Great country. A lot of time for the people there, beautiful people, uh, really had a great time, very educated, growing. At that stage, though, I think it was, was at 2010-11, they were undergoing some quite difficult periods in terms of their inflation, okay. and the interest rates had been pushed up quite high, and we're talking sort of like 20% um, yeah. eye-watering. So to, for investments for construction, probably limited. Challenging you know, time, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was challenging time. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, at that stage, I was sort of um, working quite a bit of work in China, eventually sort of like settled in Shanghai in the office there, which is a more established, a larger presence in Shanghai. A couple of expats, you know, a few expats. Bulk, you know, bulk of um, people in China are Chinese, which they need to yes. be. Absolutely. So had a great time there. Worked on a few major projects there. Large R&D pharmaceutical company, um, some significant towers, a UK retailer. Big presence there, there at a time. So some large clients with some big spending plans, which was on a fast pace, uh, again, which was uh, quite an exciting time to be in, in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long were you in Shanghai for? Two years. So my goodness, I mean, obviously going to some of the maybe overall lessons learned over your thing, but so from 2005 to what, 2013, without taking you up to then? By my calculation, 2012, uh, Yeah, 2013. Uh, so beginning of 2014, I was in Asia for. 
So wow, so you obviously from 2005 to that period, UK to Dubai to Seoul, back to the guitar in the Middle East, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Vietnam, and then Shanghai. My goodness, uh, you must have felt like you were living out of suitcase. How did you and your wife cope with all of that in terms of going through that? We have no children, so that was sort of a convenience. So yes. we were able to like pack uh, lightly. Obviously, I was well supported by the company, which made things uh, you know, a lot easier. I knew a number of people in these locations where I moved to anyway. So I'd, yeah, I'd known yeah. them from sort of like the Turn and Townsend business yeah, back in yeah. London, yeah. Um, which had a lot of benefits, really. Um, so as I say, is the key thing is for an expat, you've got to have sort of that sort of that network there. You know, and it's useful to have a network before you arrive. But, you know, what, what we, did your we wife did... do, Steve, out of interest? Was your wife working or? She was, she's, uh, she's backgrounds in HR. Right, okay. Um, she worked in uh, recruitment in Dubai mm-hmm. and she enjoyed that. And in um, Asia, she worked in, it was a relocation company. Okay. She was sort of liaising with expats, which was sort of interesting for her. Um, she's very social, so she enjoyed that. And she spent some time in the British consulate as well, which she enjoyed. It's interesting trying to understand how things work. Now, how does the health system work? What taxes do you need to pay? Where can you live? It is interesting. It's not always easy. Um, so it's important to get some support on that. Yeah. Um, so it's moving all the time. We've moved probably uh, over 10 times in the last 20 years. I don't think we've regretted it. I mean, I've had some sort of fantastic scenery to look at. Yeah, I bet, <laughs> out the yeah. window. Um, yeah, no, I bet, yeah. And probably at some evolving times, you know, I can only imagine the change in just the Dubai skyline, even yeah. the period you were there, as an example. Oh, yeah, when we were living in Dubai, we were living in Burj Khalifa. Burj Khalifa was growing up. You know, so it was it was it was quiet in those days, and like yeah. we had like a, a small pool outside, a communal pool outside, but we had it to ourselves because nobody else was living there at that stage. Right. And I, I just wonder what it's like now. I've not yes. been back since it actually completed, but I should imagine it's quite a lot busier. Yeah. So then, 2014 was that when you moved to New York? No, 2014. I went back to the UK for a short period. We did some travelling and went back to the UK for a short period, and then sort of started in New York at the beginning of 2015. New York was established office. Um, yeah. There was a cost management team. And I think the real focus for me there was trying to, as I say, explain to clients and project managers basically the role of a, a QS was and trying to get that sort of a deep, that sort of a, a wider understanding and appreciation yeah. of what we do. But again, a very exciting place to live. Well, I say there's nowhere like it in the world in terms of the pace of, of New York and the, the pace at which New Yorkers want to live their lives. Yeah, it's quite a proactive environment. They one wants to succeed. I think it's quite supportive. Strange, you know, you think it's quite mm-hmm. a hard place, but um, my experience in terms of the relationships with, between clients, contractors, suppliers, mm-hmm. everybody's sort of pulling together. So I think that was quite an eye opener, which is mm-hmm. a very pleasant eye opener. I think that um, I suppose a little bit surprising because you think that. Uh, or well, you've got to be careful in New York because yeah. you know, they take you to the cleaners. That wasn't my my experience at all, really. Okay. Everyone was particularly supportive and wants to move forward. Good. And was it mainly developers you were working with in New York? What kind of clients were you working with? I say mainly end users, actually. Okay. Um, you know, we worked uh, Hudson Yards for oh, yeah. Um, Amazing yeah, Time Warner, Wells Fargo. Worked with Barclays, Google, a um, couple of sporting facilities, mm-hmm. professional sporting facilities. Um, large hotels, so a good mix. Most of it was on the island in Manhattan. I think for a lot of people, a lot of attraction for New York in terms of like the sort of bright lights and excitement. But I think that there's a lot of opportunities there for the QSs. I say 
it's growing and um, I wouldn't say it's completely mainstream and you know outside of, of New York they're probably different stories I mean they're probably different approaches for a QS is a way to get a seat at the table influence just demonstrate the benefits of what you can deliver I did get the impression rightly or wrongly I mean it's my, probably my own thought that maybe a number of clients probably thought that um, cost is because cost is generally controlled by the contractor contractor will produce an estimate the clients would generally sort of like use that estimate as the basis of their cost control. Um, okay. Which seems, I thought, which seems a lot of risk there, surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you've had the natural reaction I would, you know, yeah. I did. And I thought, well, how's that work then? So you've got the effect, the uh, contractor saying, well, this is this what it's going to cost. And the client says, oh, okay, I believe you. Um, <laughs> okay, it's not always as strictly yeah. as that straightforward. But I think there's an opportunity for cost managers to get in there and challenge some of the, sort of the costs. In, yes. a, in a constructive way, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think maybe some clients thought, oh, okay, it's an overhead, isn't it, construction? We're fitting out an office. It's an overhead. What can we save in a overhead? And obviously, and I think the QS professional or any QS should be telling you there's obviously quite a lot of influence that a QS can be doing to reduce the cost of that construction, to reduce the cost of your overhead, and to get better value from it. And, you know, we want to work with suppliers, contractors, designers to actually achieve that. And that's growing, isn't it, now, as a kind of QS cost management service? generally in the U.S. is growing, obviously, as well as Turner and Towns have been out there. A number of your competitors are also growing in yep. across the U.S. So you yeah. get the impression that it's growing now as, as a recognized discipline within the construction industry. I think so, yeah. I think it's got some way to go, but yeah. um, it's certainly my time there. I sort of uh, experienced some organizations or more organizations recognizing what we did and asking for our services, which was great. Yeah, excellent. Good. I guess one of the challenges inherently maybe compared to most of the places that you've worked, either a lot of those places either have have had historically the QS profession existed or they relied very much on a kind of wider expat pool, whereas I guess one of the challenges in the US is that QS profession certainly does not exist as a native profession, I guess, within the States. Yeah. Um, and there's maybe not enough individuals out there to for the growth. Perhaps. Yeah, so. yeah. I think so. I think the position of the um, contractor has been quite strong. And that's worked. I think there's there's more that the, the professions can do in order mm. to support that sort of um, enhance that sort of mm. that that sort of performance. And that's QSs and project managers. So I think there's opportunity for and some of the sort of like you know, I suppose because of our, our history, we've got more institutions in the UK. You know, sort of QS and project management. Yeah. I think we can bring into construction developments into projects. So I'm not saying it's, it's lacking, but it's probably more unified in sort of their approaches. So how long were you in New York before you returned back um, to the UK? Just under four years. And, okay. um, you know, and we moved back really for family reasons, um, really. Uh, if it wasn't for that, then I'd still be there, I think. I had a great time there. Um, again, I could recommend that location. And I wish I had an opportunity at that time to maybe travel other parts of um, the US, maybe okay. Canada as well. Obviously, subject to the weather. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty cold, yeah. isn't it, in certain parts of uh, the North Americans? <laughs> My goodness, so you've like a massive uh, worldwide tour almost, work, working, of course, and, and then some travel as well. Do you think that's you done now? Do so you think that's out of your system now? I don't know if that's, I, that's the right phrase, but are you happy well, in the UK for the time being? Well, my wife's not in the room, so I'd say <laughs> no. I, no, I mean, if the, I, I'd never say never. I would like to travel overseas again in, in, if the opportunity, the right opportunity come up in the future and the circumstances are sort of like personally right for, for us. And you're and certainly in do... an organisation that encourages that, are you? Which, you know, just to, I know we're not dwelling on, on TNT, but you're certainly in an organisation that does actively encourage that global mobility. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there was, there was a, a very, I think, a very useful, I mean, I, 
hopefully under the evidence of that, a very useful global mobility policy. And uh, I've been very lucky to have the support of the organization to you know, encourage me and supported me to settle into places. And hopefully I've given something back in return. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I think it's important to realize that um, as you grow, um, organizations that you've got to like consider local input and to grow with like local resources important in Middle East, obviously, in big number of expats. Asia, there's quite a lot of people in Asia. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. So, um, and there's some very talented people in Asia yeah. as well. And the same really for the US, although not many American QSs. There are some, but that's really just like its infancy in terms of their, how they're growing, in terms of the education there, the science education courses there. And so you've been back in the UK, what, a year and a bit? Uh, two years. Two, two years, years okay. yes. In London. It's obviously, it's grown. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's grown quite a bit since I left. Since, in that since Bedford period. Street, I guess, you were probably in Bedford Street. Uh, yeah, Bedford Street, you're yeah, right, Bedford left, Street. Yeah, so yeah. I, I missed the Savoy Court, um, and we're now, now one new change. And uh, yes, I was quite surprised as to like the, the scale of the, the London office when I came back. Phenomenal growth. It was, uh, it was quite interesting, so I uh, enjoyed Good. that. So... Let's kind of wrap up with, I don't know if it's something you can easily summarize. What would you say you've been your, I guess, kind of work lessons, life lessons from working, from moving in all those different countries and working? Is there anything, say, you know, these are, you know, obviously you touched on the fact that actually the job is to some extent very similar in every place you go, you know, in terms of what the clients well, need. Yeah, I mean, well. the core skills, transferable, I yeah. would say that. I think as you develop as a QS, I don't think you're going to like learn something that's um, too specific hmm. to, you know, too bespoke to that particular environment. I've experienced that, uh, in my experience, that you can adapt to other locations. So I think, you know, and you said about, you know, life lessons. I mean, don't ever think you've learned everything. There's still much more out there. And all of us, you know, can't sit still as a profession. We're looking at what's happening next, aren't we? So, I mean, those, anyone's thinking about sort of like um, relocating, you know, don't be overly concerned about your skill sets. And I would say, actually, just on that, consider your experience you know, and where you are in your career. Um, if you're, you know, with a sort of junior sort of level, consider, you know, you, you can qualify overseas, and lots of people do, but make sure you've got sufficient support around you. So a large organization or a large pool of, like, experienced people will go a long way to enable you to develop, uh, yeah. you know, as a QS, pass your APC, I say it's not impossible, but consider would it be worth hanging, waiting for that move until you've got a bit more experience, you're qualified, got a bit more experience. And I think in that way you can express the benefits of what we deliver to clients more readily and the market readily. Um, obviously, do your homework about where the place is. Um, don't rely on the tourist book because a tourist book will not give you much relevant information to you moving overseas. It's useful if you're for weekends <laughs> at galleries or you know bars or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's useful that, but don't rely on that. It's completely different. So do your homework and you know ideally you should be moving to a growing market. Yeah. And I think that you want to move to somewhere that, that's got opportunity and potential. Do your homework. It should, ideally it should be a growing market, you know, mm. or you know if it's a large project, the project's secure. I would recommend reaching out to expat groups before you land. There are specialist guides for expats. Uh, and a lot of online groups that provide a good service. But I think nothing sort of beats reaching out to people that are on the ground there in country or in that location that can support you in settling in, understanding a bit about the sort of like more about the local cultures and things and yeah. the do's and don'ts. And it'll just enable you to settle yourself and your family and partner into that location. And we found that's 
obviously I mentioned about planning for the partners and family role. That's very important. Um, consider the cost of relocation, you know, because that could be cup substantial, furniture, visas, flights, etc. So ideally, if you're going with a company, that eases that, but don't sort of underestimate sort of that. But, you know, if you want to do it, you've got that itch, your scratch, I recommend you do it and have some fun. Totally agree. I think at the end of the day, we only have one life, don't we? Life is not a dress rehearsal, as someone said to me, which is, uh, I think, very true. Yeah, you can see the world, you can grow, you can get experience, yeah. and you can get paid for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what's, not, what's it like? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good. This is a tough one to answer. It may be each one of its own unique thing. Where would you say is the best place you've lived? Overall, well, so you probably enjoy living the most. Every, everybody asks me that question. Yeah. Everybody asks me that question, and it's difficult. I think everywhere has been great for different reasons. Dubai, at the starting point, the first landing, it was just crazy pace of construction yeah. opportunities. So that was a great time. Um, unfortunately, it ended. Um, yeah. I suppose it had to end at that point. Sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Asia was like great for like a completely, for me, a different culture. Yeah, you know the sights, the sounds, the smells, the people, just crazy. And then New York, again, fast-paced. I suppose more cultured, if I can be that rude to say that, over okay. Dubai. Positive approach to doing business, which I really liked. It's, um, you feed on that as well. I can't really say what was best. Very mm. much depends on the individual. I would say that, you know, all the places we went to were large cities. You don't get much bigger than, than Shanghai. And Dubai and New York are quite substantial as well. So. And, you know, and all the places have been in the world have been completely safe. Never experienced any violence in any of these locations. So it's been all very, very positive. Yeah, I think that's it. I think probably some people's idea when they think about going internationally, going to a different country is they probably build up in their own head, you know, oh, this, this will be a terrible place, this will be violent, or et cetera, et cetera. And, and the reality is most places in the world are absolutely pretty Yeah, similar. and in, in construction, in my experience, most people are friendly, yeah. you know. We're all supportive. You know, we should be all be pulling in the same direction, which is great. And I think you'll get a lot of support from people. You know, they want to encourage you to move forward and to succeed. That's my experience. I enjoyed that. Steve, I think that's us done then. Thank you. I've really appreciated that. And I do think genuinely a lot of, a lot of people will get a lot of it, particularly I think a lot of young professionals who are seriously thinking about doing it. I'd be sure you can do it at any age, but um, yeah. But yeah, no, I do think people will find this one uh, really informative. So thank you for okay. your time. No worries. Thank you, Paul. Perfect. Cheers, Steve. Take care. Take care. Cheers, Sam. Bye-bye.